0: Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sober as Dope podcast. I'm your host, Pop Buchanan. It's been about two to three weeks since our last episode, so I wanted to check in with everyone and let you guys know that you have been in my prayers. And I just want everyone out there to know that I love you and we are working hard. Um, I've been on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook lately, Um, just really just bringing more awareness to the podcast doing some outreach to the younger generation and to the overall audience, letting people know that we're here, Um, you know, one-on-ones coaching, letting people know they're not alone, um, just trying to send a positive message overall. And today I wanted to just really go back to the basics, all right? Well, um, you know, the reason why I started the podcast was because, things like alcoholism and drug abuse are never going to go away and there's always going to be a new person a new generation a new um surge of um people struggling from substance abuse and substance misuse um disorders and every day people are dying and now that we're in quarantine we're seeing a real high level of um alcohol related incidents and drug related incidents and people really under a lot of pressure. A lot of people are relapsing, right? So it's tough. So this is an ongoing battle. We're on the front lines every day and we're really fighting. Um, So I want to go back to just some statistics, get some real hardcore um, stats going and just to really just let's get back up to speed with the nature of this monster that we're fighting so starting off alcohol use disorder let's just define it real quick alcohol use disorder is a chronic relapsing brain disease characterized by an impaired ability to stop or control alcohol use despite adverse social occupational or health consequences Alcohol use disorder can range range from mild to severe, and recovery is possible regardless of severity. The fourth edition of the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, which is called the DSM-5, published by the American Psychiatric Association, described two distinct disorders, alcohol abuse and alcohol dependence, with specific criteria for each. The 5th edition of the DSM-5 integrates the two DSM-5 disorders, alcohol abuse and alcohol dependence, into a single disorder called alcohol use disorder um, with mild, moderate, and severe subclassifications. One of the subclassifications is binge drinking. According to the NIAAA, They define binge drinking as a pattern of drinking that brings blood alcohol concentration, the BAC levels, to 0.08 grams per deciliter. This typically occurs after four drinks for women and five drinks for men in about two hours. The Substance Abuse and Mental Health Service Administration, SAMHSA, which conducts an annual national survey of drug use and health defines binge drinking as five or more alcoholic drinks for males and four or more alcoholic drinks for females on the same occasion example given at the same time or within a couple of hours of each other on at least one day in the past month heavy alcohol use SAMHSA defines heavy alcohol use as binge drinking on five or more days in the past month. Okay, Patterns of drinking associated with AUD, which is alcohol use disorder. Binge drinking and heavy drinking use can increase an individual's risk of an alcohol use disorder. The US dietary guidelines recommend that if alcohol is consumed, it should be in moderation. Defined as up to one drink per day for women and up to two drinks per day for men and only by adults of legal drinking age. Some individuals should avoid alcohol completely. Okay, alcohol impaired driving fatality. A fatality in a crash involving a driver or motorcycle ride operator with a BAC of 008 or greater. So ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. That's just a basic. So we see here that, you know, now they combine alcohol abuse and alcohol dependency into one classification um, under alcohol use disorder. And the problem is when you look at the dietary guidelines, you know, Anyone they say saying between you know between one or two drinks a day and you're in the safe zone, but we know very well if you're alcoholic, you can't have one or two drinks a day, so that brings us to what you know alcohol use disorder is real serious because heavy, moderate drinking, light drinking, heavy drinking doesn't matter all of that literally is going to lead to someone really having a real problematic experience and a problematic reality with their drinking behavior right um so ladies and gentlemen i just really wanted to just touch base with you guys today because you know um i'm seeing it all over the internet i'm seeing it all over people inboxing me yes you know right now During this COVID-19 crisis, things are really difficult. And it's not really as cut and dry. And people are really struggling. And I just want to continue to let everyone know this is a daily battle. We're fighting this together. And we're fighting this. And we're on the front lines every day. So um, I just wanted to let everyone know that This is Real, and I wanted to touch base with you today on the podcast. So here we go. Let's look at some more facts. I'm just trying to get my notes together, guys. Forgive me. All right, so alcohol use in the United States. Prevalence of drinking. According to the 2018 National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 86.3% of people ages 18 or older reported that they drank alcohol at the same point in their lifetime. 70% reported that they drank in the past year. 55.3% reported that they drank in the past month, okay? Prevalence of binge drinking and heavy alcohol use. Um, 26.45% of people ages 18 or older reported that they engaged in binge drinking in the past month. 6.6% reported that they engaged in heavy alcohol use in the past month, okay? Okay? alcohol use disorder in the United States. So for adults ages 18 and up, all right, the statistics look like this. 14.4 million adults ages 18 or older. 5.8% of this age group has alcohol use disorder. All right, this includes 9.2 million men, 7.6% of men in this age group, and 5.3 million women and 4.1% of women in this age group. About 7.9% of adults who had an alcohol use disorder in the past year received treatment, which is good. This includes 8% of males and 7.7% of females with alcohol use disorders in this age group, 18 and up. Youth ages 12 to 17, according to the... um, the study an estimated 401,000 adolescents ages 12 to 17 had alcohol use disorder this number includes 173,000 males and 227,000 females now mind you ladies and gentlemen how it works when the government and these these organizations measure on a national and a global level, they do it in um, in certain years, they do it in waves. So the last study was done in 2018, we're now in 2020, so not sure when the new studies is gonna come out. I guess they have to do a lot of testing, a lot of collecting of data, but you can see this is recent because it's within the last two year period. But we know that the numbers have increased dramatically, so it's one of those things where, we have to be mindful that this these, these this, the alcohol use disorders. And these different drug-related disorders are really becoming more increasingly problematic, and it's affecting a larger group of people on a day-to-day basis, especially now that we're in this COVID-19 pandemic situation. A lot of people are out of work. A lot of people are worried. There's a lot of people with a lot of downtime. um, People can't get to meetings, mental health clinics. People can't get to their therapist. Um, Although they have online therapy and online forums, it's just... An environment that invites slippery behavior if you're not solid in your recovery, right? So that's why you have people like myself who's, um, you know, we got the Sober is Dope podcast because we want to give people a resource. So if you stray, you could say, well, I know I could go to this podcast and I could find, a, you know, anywhere between 20 plus to 30 plus episodes on any different mood or subject i'm in we have episodes specifically about relapse and how to navigate through that we talk about the different stages of relapse how to deal with a relapse and a slip we have episodes about rock bottom, what does that look like, what does that mean, how to take action, how to really um, get help and kind of like get out of a rock bottom state. Uh, we have episodes on just the overall experience, we have episodes for newbies, if you're new in your recovery Um, what to expect, what not to expect, what to be careful of. We have so many different resources. So between us, between um, organizations like SAMHSA, um, and it just never stops. There's so many people. There's no shortage of resources out there for anyone that's in addiction. But the problem is, is making, you know, giving them the encouragement to reach out. Most people don't want to, it's hard, they don't know For me, when I was in my addiction I didn't really know I could go online And there was hundreds of forums And it was all these organizations I didn't know, I just thought I was just by myself I didn't know where to go I was very limited in my um, knowledge On what resources were allotted to me So why this episode today I just want you to know One, you're not alone When you look at these statistics There's millions of people that may be struggling with you And they may be experiencing the same thing, the same things that you may be experiencing. So don't feel so closed in. Don't feel so restricted when you're struggling. Just know that, look, the help is a phone call away. Help is a click away. And I'm your homeboy, Poppy Cannon. I'm here for you. I'm your main man. You guys know if you really have a problem you can reach out me reach out to me on the internet. That's why I took a two, three two two to three week break from the podcast. One, we just hit one year on the Sobers Dough podcast. So I wanted to give the podcast some time to breathe. And I also just wanted to really do more outreach and I just wanted to get my hands kind of dirty and get in there and start talking to people and reaching out to people and introducing the podcast and myself to other people in the recovery community other people that may be doing podcasts and other people that's some um, on the front lines fighting you know shout out to jen elizabeth martin john garcia um connie from um, Sober Queens, shout out to um, just everyone that's out there. So many, um, you know, um, Christine Lee, um, shout out on your new accomplishments. Um, There's no shortage of people that's fighting. So ladies and gentlemen, let's just look at a few more statistics. So we see that you know, it's 14.4 million adults, 18 years of older, that's dealing with this. So, it's a lot of us. Alcohol-related deaths. Let's look at that. An estimated 88,000 people, approximately 62,000 men, and 26,000 women die from alcohol-related causes annually. Making alcohol the third leading cause of preventable death in the United States. Preventable death, Okay so we have to look at that so right now if you're in a little funk and you're in that dark place and you want to get help you know um it's never too late to really get the help and you could really be saving your life by being proactive and taking the steps and i know that's not easy so if you're listening to this and you're drinking and right now is a tough time and you don't know how to get out of it you know, let this be a motivator. You still, still, it's never too late. You gotta, you, you still have a shot at really turning your life around and most likely saving your life and protecting your liver, your kidneys, your health. Um, you know, it's very important. The first is tobacco, and the second is poor diet and physical health. So, people are dying from tobacco, the um, poor diets, and physical inactivity and alcoholism, right? Um, and also, we know drugs and other um, narcotics and opiates and stuff like that. So the thing is, we know most likely if you're drinking, you're most likely smoking. They go hand in hand. So this makes you at an increased risk. You're like have you you have a double risk at you know dying prematurely through a preventable death related to tobacco and alcohol. So for me, for example, ladies and gentlemen. I'm seven years sober and four years, um, I think I'm going on five years now, actually. I have to check my calendar, but I'm I'm four or five years nicotine-free, cigarette-free, tobacco-free. So, I was a heavy smoker. I'm talking about a pack a day. You know, it went hand-in-hand with my drinking. So... I could tell you, if you quit drinking, you're going to have a greater chance at quitting tobacco. And this is going to improve your overall life expectancy and mortality. So it's exciting. It's something to look forward to. Because I remember for me, spiritually, um, smoking was really bothering me. I knew it was bad. My lungs were hurt. I knew I was just smoking way too much. So the fact that I'm like so far removed, five years removed from it... You know, it does a lot Um, So, just keep that in mind Um, For children, let's keep going Youth, ages 12 to 17 According to a study... 2018 an estimated 401,000 oh we read this already alright keep going to alcohol related deaths I apologize in 2014 alcohol impaired driving fatalities accounted for 9,967 deaths 31% of overall driving fatalities was some um, alcohol related there's also economic burden in 2010 alcohol misuse cost the United States 24 249 billion dollars um Three-quarter of the total cost of alcohol misuse is related to binge drinking. So that's people that's probably getting into legal problems, probably getting into fights, probably dying because of just binging and doing silly things. We all do stupid things when we binge. You know, it definitely affects our judgment, so we have to keep that in mind. I'm not necessarily going to go all the way into the global statistics, but what I'm going to say is that in 2012, 3.3 million deaths... Um, or 5.9% of global deaths were attributed attributed to alcohol consumption. So that's 3.3 million deaths globally, and that's a lot. And the World Health Organization reported that alcohol contributed to more than 200 diseases and injury-related health conditions, most notably the DSM-5 alcohol dependencies, like Liver cirrhosis, cancers, and injuries. So, ladies and gentlemen, you know, we only have one liver, and although the liver is the one organ that can regenerate itself, once it goes, it goes, and then you really have a short window to live. So, keep that in mind. And this is for people out there that's been drinking for a long time, and you know you want to stop, but you don't know how, or you don't have enough motivation. Just keep in mind, you have one liver and the clock is ticking on it. So you want to be careful. And you, I would say, go to the doctor. You you could do a liver test. You could go to a spine doctor or a liver doctor, and you could take something called a liver enzyme or protein test, and they'll let you know how your liver is functioning, how much liver you have remaining, um, and if you're in, uh, if you are dealing with any form of cirrhosis or anything like that cirrhosis so um ladies and gentlemen just please be mindful family consequences more than 10 percent of the u.s children live with a parent with alcohol problems according to the 2012 study so ladies and gentlemen we just launched a campaign right Uh, we have a campaign called the sober teddy bear campaign where we have um, shirts, sweaters, and hoodies with what we call our sober mascot is our sober teddy bear. And the reason why we do that is I have a soft heart for children of alcoholics, children and adult children of alcoholics that's raised in that environment. Um, and we also talk, did an episode where we talk about per, um, the parental responsibility. Um, to be sober-minded and to fight for your recovery if you have children um, and the impact that it may have on children. And we did another episode devoted to adult children of alcoholics and children of alcoholics. And the statistics are real serious. And it's one of those things that I don't have kids yet. Thank God I didn't have kids when I was in my addiction but I know through family and through friends and through experiences and through talking to people that growing up in an environment that's um, a drug environment or alcohol environment, there's a lot of issues. And these issues usually roll over to mental health issues later, um, self-esteem issues, um you know, psychological issues and just uh really impacts the adult's life and the child's life really negatively because there's usually a lot of abuse, a lot of negligence and just a lot of sadness associated to living in a household with an alcoholic parent. So for us when we launched the campaign um for the sober teddies, it was just when you buy one of the shirts you could you could say somebody say hey that's a nice shirt say yes we're spreading awareness of the importance of parents to really find treatment if they have a alcohol use or drug use disorder, especially if they have young children, because I don't think it should be any drinking in the household. Um, If you have, if you are an alcoholic or if you are a serious drug addict, now you have some people who casually drink, but even then I think that if you're just drinking too much casually, it could lead to fights, arguments and abuse. So I think kids are extremely sensitive and they're high speed recorders. We know that subconscious reprogramming for a child happens within the first seven years of their lives so a kid really is like a high-speed recorder and they pick up a lot believe it or not they're watching you they're trying to mimic you they they depend on you and they're learning from you so if you throw in addiction in there and abuse and you're throwing in um just you're fighting with your spouse and you're cursing and if there's a violent environment there's a verbal abuse and psychological abuse and financial abuse and negligence and the kid is picking all of this up is going to have a negative impact on their lives. So family consequences is one of the real big things. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So another motivator, if you're out there, you're struggling with addiction and you're having psychological problems and you're dealing with impulse issues and anger issues and you're starting to get violent and you have a family, that should definitely be one of the motivators for you to seek treatment, right? It's not about you at this point, it's really about your family and being doing what's responsible for them. Um, and that's one of the reasons why I personally, um, totally didn't, I, I personally just made, it was so important for me to find my recovery before I even thought about having a kid. Um, and that was like a safe space for me. I think that was one of the things because my relationship with my family started to get really, um, um, just challenging, man. Like I was running out of favors. I was running out of friends. I was running out of like self-respect. I was running out of respect. Like it was like people started having little, little bit, a little bit every day. You know, oh, it's another episode, oh, 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 and at the end, it was only about one or two people that had my corner, had my back, out of like a whole community, out of friends, family. You know, every like, when you're an addict, sometimes those doors start to close really fast on you, right? And that's another reason why we have the podcast, and that's another reason why we have such a gigantic community Um, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, and the AA meetings, the NA meetings, and all of the individual forums, and places like Smart Recovery, and all of these places, and SAMHSA, and um, DARE, and Wake Up Carolina, all of these different places. It's because we know you're not alone, we know the fight, we know the struggle, we, we're, we're, we know the darkness, we know exactly what you're going through. So you have an outlet, you have a place to go, but the outlet is not necessarily always going to be the family and the friends and the people around you. A lot of um, recovery and treatment is an inside job and you got to kind of like really find your strength to go out there and find the treatment and get well for yourself. That's why you can't do it for someone else. You have to do it for, for yourself, ladies and gentlemen. And and trust me, it'll be the best decision you ever make. Um, best decision, hands down. Life gets increasingly better. You're not missing anything. You become more productive. Um, you will change slightly. You will be a little bit more focused, a little bit more reserved. You won't be swinging from the chandeliers. But you will like your new self, right? And you just have to deal with your new reality in creative ways. But there's so much upside in recovery. You know, your health improves. Your your creativity improves. Your connection with God improves. Your connection with your loved ones improves. Your ability to be present. No more waking up trying to figure out what did you do wrong. And, you know, if you, you know... The likelihood and the chances of you dying dramatically decreases And your health dramatically gets better It's all of this upside, right? And then you can start to build a real life Um, The actor Bradley Cooper, he said um, in an interview He was saying that he knew he wasn't where he needed to be in life And if he wanted to get to where he needed to be in life And where he saw himself For what he wanted, he couldn't drink and do drugs. He had to leave it all alone. And some people make decisions just like that. And I use that because that's a real good example of how much you could improve just by cutting out the alcohol and the drugs. All right, ladies and gentlemen, think about that. Bradley Cooper, this was before he was an actor. And he was out of school or whatever I don't don't know the full details I have to go back to the article But from reading it I sensed that He wasn't anywhere he wanted to be in life And one day he woke up And he got serious about life And he started to do a moral inventory And he said to himself Well, maybe I want to be the Bradley Cooper And I want to be an actor And I want to be great And I wanted my life to look like this Then he said What is holding me back? And then when he really was honest with himself, he realized it was the drinking, maybe and the drugs. So he made a conscious decision just to stop. And that dramatically um, propelled him into stardom same thing with Robert Downey Jr. Uh you know my man gave up the drugs he became Iron Man and his life turned around. So we see it again and again Kanye West we just did an episode about on Kanye West. We saw Kanye's West meltdown all the way from the Taylor Swift to the incident on stage where he had to be rushed to the hospital to the public displays of just him being erratic to a man that just said I'm done. I have a family. I want to be there for my family, and I can't do it drinking. So he put that in perspective, and then he found he found God again. He did his album Christ the King, and he got with he's he's doing this new thing. And you see it. You are like oh Kanye West is doing some positive stuff. He always is very positive. I don't think he ever was really negative. But you can see a, a clear shift from the darkness to the light, back to the darkness, back to the light. So ladies and gentlemen. You will improve, period. Right, life gets better. So just always choose yourself and like remember every day you decide to get better or to seek treatment. I wouldn't say get better every day. You decide to be, find your sobriety and to thrive in your recovery. You're making the world a better place. Okay, I can give you that much of a guarantee. You're lowering those numbers. You're one less person that's adding a burden on society, a burden on your body, a burden on your spirituality, a burden on your family. You're getting out the game. See, a lot of this is us stopping the trap that 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 the, the possession, the 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 chemical trap and vicious cycle of just being stuck in this nasty rut of a uh, chemical addiction based on an allergy of us being allergic to these substances. Because these substances are not natural to our body They affect our neurotransmitters They affect our judgment They affect the way our brains work The way our liver and kidneys work And for most of us, for all of us Who's born with the disease of alcoholism Right, because it is a disease If this, if you are If you're dealing with the darkness of alcohol And you can't stop drinking Then you're one of the many Who had the disease of alcohol So don't feel bad It's not like Someone is pointing you out and saying, well, you're a bad person because you drink too much and your life is unmanageable. That's not what's really happening. What's really happening was somehow society hoodwinked you in thinking that it was culturally acceptable and fun to drink and that was a healthy norm of expression and then you started drinking and then society had no way of knowing or proving or telling you or eliminating you from the game of drinking by testing or any way to tell you you was an alcoholic or you had an allergy, so you innocently went out to drink and then you had problems stopping ever since and your life became unmanageable, right? It's not fair. Because some people could drink and just go about their business and people who are alcoholics who have a predisposition to alcohol who are dealing with this allergy because the way you're made genetically, you can't drink because you're allergic to it. And uh, the side effects of drinking in your case is binging and heavy drinking and chronic drinking. So... You're not a bad person. You was a person who should have been protected somehow, right? Somehow we, you know, someone should have noticed the signs real early and really sat you down and said "Hey, maybe you have an allergy. I don't think you should be drinking at all. Stop. It's not for you. And we have to get you help, right? It has to be more of a, I think, a push. And this is something that we're all working on. That's why I'm doing the podcast. I'm hoping to get to people before it gets bad by. You know, when they listen to my words and the stories and the different, you know, s- situations I go through and the facts and the statistics, by listening, you could say to yourself, well, maybe I identify with some of what Papa's saying. I do tend to have a lot of bad negative episodes when I drink. I do tend to do a lot of morning drinking. I can't really stop after I have one beer. That alcohol did affect my last relationship. It is affecting my job. It is affecting this. And then you can start to really say to yourself, well, maybe I have a problem. And then you could that'll bring you closer to getting help. Because when I was younger... I was just going about life, being a normal guy. I was. I'm a music guy. I'm in music. When you're in music, everyone parties. They drink. It's the culture. You know, you're young. You're out. You're in college. Everyone's drinking. You know, it was all part of the culture. But I was having a lot more problems with it than my peers. My peers that drink just as much, they'll have just as much fun. But when the party was over, they'll be doing normal things. When the party was over, my head is pounding. I feel like somehow. I'm gonna, like, get sick or something, and the only thing that would make me feel better is following up that um, hangover or that horrible feeling with more drinking, and then someone introduced a terrible concept of the hair with a dog, which, in some cases... It's the total evidence and proof that you're alcoholic. Like if you need, if drinking after you feel horrible makes you feel better and normal again, then you need to go directly to get help because that's a clear shot that your body is wired and um, through this allergy to be really to not be able to really handle alcohol in an efficient way, and that has something to do with your dopamine levels, your serotonin levels, and your neurotransmitters and We did an episode about this, but loosely, if you're new and no one ever told you there's there's a process where you drink the alcohol. St- robs your brain of dopamine it's available dopamine stores it goes into your brain it takes out the, the dopamine stores and it starts to remove it and that's when you get that real big burst of joy and happiness and that feeling that we call getting high and that excitement right but when you're an alcoholic it takes a lot of dopamine and then Your brain doesn't have enough dopamine to function normally, so then you crash, and that's how you feel really sick the next day, because your brain is lacking all this dopamine, the alcohol took it, and then your brain is constantly searching for this dopamine, but the alcohol took it, it robbed it, so then naturally... You're prone to instinctively just drink some more because the drinking now replaces the dopamine and that's why you feel better. So when you feel horrible and then you go back and have another shot the next day, whether it's early in the morning with beer, like a straightener, especially for drug addicts who do a lot of cocaine, they might need a straightener, they might need another hit or some, you know, there's different terms for that. But that's your body's way of dealing with the withdrawal of dopamine and the excessive use of alcohol and that cycle just repeats itself. It just repeats itself until your brain has no dopamine stores or just a minimal dopamine stores and your serotonin levels go out of whack. And then the only thing that'll make you feel better is your drug of choice, right? And that cycle never stops. It's a terrible cycle. You see it on a real high level with fentanyl addicts and heroin addicts and meth addicts. That shit happens fast. All right, It happens so fast they're, they're in so much pain That's why they need to go back and get more drugs So we have to rescue ourselves And go through the process Where we get out of that cycle You have to pull yourself out of it can't beat yourself up You can't feel sorry for yourself at the same time You just have to kind of be proactive And you have to have to know That's why we're doing these podcasts That's why we're doing the outreach So ladies and gentlemen If you're out there and you you going through it Trust me, I went through it, so I'm telling you I know how dark and how bad it feels when you're isolated, you're by yourself, you feel sick, you don't know how to get out of it, you're malnutritious, you can your only diet your diet consists of your drug of choice and whatever food and stuff you could get in, but pretty predominantly you strung out and you're hurting. And it's a terrible vicious cycle. So listen. All I'm saying to you is, you, you're not alone, and we can get the help that we need. And we don't want you to be one of these statistics with these millions of people dying globally. 3.3 million people—it's a lot of people, all right. Um, that's that's dying globally due to alcohol-related deaths, um, and we're not even covering drugs and um, opioids and stuff like that. This is really just an alcohol um, deep dive, but it's one and the same. All right, we're all drugs So when we say your drug of choice We're talking about weed, we're talking about alcohol We're talking about coke, we're talking about heroin it's all, it's all It's just different class of drugs They all affect us the same way Not necessarily the same way But they all affect us negatively Alright ladies and gentlemen Um they have some stuff here about college students, but we know how that go. If you're going to, that's usually one of the gateway places. So I'm saying if you're a young college student and you notice that the alcohol and the parties are not really agreeing with you, just might want to chill. You don't have to drink to be cool. You might want to fall back and you'll notice signs, you know, if you're the person that's drinking at six o'clock in the morning before class that you need to get help. It's just really that simple, okay? Um, Alcohol and pregnancy, the prevalence of fetal alcohol syndrome in the United States was estimated by the Institute of Medicine in 1996 to be between 0.5 and 3 cases per thousand, Um, More recent reports from the specific U.S. sites report the prevalence of fetal alcohol syndrome to be two to seven cases per thousand and the prevalence of fetal alcohol spectrum disorders to be as high as 20 to 50 cases per thousand. So, again, you don't want to be drinking and then pass that on to your kid. And then the kid is born with alcohol um, syndrome and most likely increases the chances of them becoming an alcoholic or being born with some birth defects or something like that or some mental health disorder or something. Something could go wrong if the kids are being born with that. And I think if you're a parent out there and you're drinking, you need to be like... You really need to do a reality check and stop. Okay, alcohol in the human body. So let's just look at our health for a moment and then we're going to wrap this up. In 2018, of the 83,517 liver disease deaths among individuals ages 12 and older, 47.8% involved alcohol. So in 2018, it was 83,517 liver disease deaths, right? And almost 50% of that number, so we're talking about close to 40 or 38,000 people, that was related to alcohol. Among males, 52,499 liver disease deaths occurred and 50.4% involved alcohol. Okay, so that's about 20,000 people and males that died due to some type of liver disease related to alcohol. Among females, 31,018 liver disease deaths occurred and 42% involved alcohol. So we're talking about a good 14,000 there, roughly 13,000 people. Among all cirrhosis deaths in 2013, 47.9% were alcohol-related, okay? The proportion of alcohol-related cirrhosis was highest, 76.5% among deaths of persons ages 25 and 30. Now, ladies and gentlemen, listen to this, 25 and 34, followed by deaths of persons ages 35 to 44 at 70%. So when you drink, when you're drinking, you tend to think that, oh, the liver disease and all of the negative stuff are for older people. That's not true. The highest cases, 76.5% of deaths related to alcohol cirrhosis, that's when scarring of the liver occurs and the liver can no longer regenerate and function. So your body can't metabolize waste products or proteins or anything and that's a terrible environment to be in it means that your body can't detox itself every day from um um ammonia and um, um, methane and, um, all of these different things that are breast in our brain that keeps us healthy every day. It can't detoxify your blood. It can't de- f- detoxify your fecal matter. And Nothing works. This means you you're in a toxic environment now because your liver is functioning at a limited capacity. So cirrhosis of the liver is excessive scarring. So it's two ways you could get cirrhosis of the liver is through alcohol or through fatty liver disease. And that's from diet. But you know, with that, you could just kind of change your diets in most cases and really turn it around. And with alcohol, you can stop drinking and turn it around. But there's cases where and there's a lot of cases where the person doesn't, the individual doesn't stop or find treatment and their liver no longer can function. So it's nothing you could do. You get try to get a liver transplant, but in real time and in real life, the doctor's literally gonna sit you down. You're talking about age 25 to 34, really young. All right, I got sober around 32 years old, so I was lucky I was one of these people. But I've seen cases where the doctor, a person goes into a doctor that drinks, they have back pain, they feel like there's something wrong with their back, and then the doctor goes, um, you know, they run a bunch of tests and they say, well, it's not necessarily your back, it's your liver. And unfortunately, you have about two to three weeks to live and a person's in shock right now. This is where alcohol gets real, right? It's no longer a party. So when when you get that wake up call, ladies and gentlemen, you're like, what are you talking about? I got two to three weeks to live. And the doctor's like, listen. Your liver is done. It's no longer functioning. This usually is followed by a real puffiness in your face and yellow eyes, which is called jaundice. So when you see people with that puffy face and the yellow eyes or sometimes their eyes are discolored and puffy, it means they're really having problems with their liver. So this is real. And I didn't think that among all cirrhosis deaths, um, 47% were alcohol-related And the proportion of alcohol related cirrhosis deaths were highest at 76% among persons ages 25 and 34. All right, followed by persons of 35 to 44 at 70%. So, um, This is real, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, if that's not something, that's not a wake-up call, you know, that's one of the things that was in the back of my mind. They told me when I was 27, I had half of a liver. I didn't stop drinking until I was 31, 30 years old. Um, If I'm mistaken, I got to go back. I think I was 31, 32, Um, but it was real. And I was just saying to myself, like, look, I don't want to die. I know this is not for me. And this is not fun anymore. And, you know, I got on my knees, prayed to God in the middle of the street. God answered my prayer. I went to the hospital, got lucky. And then I'm um, seven years later, I'm here. But not a lot of people is going to get lucky like that all the time. And um, so I'm I'm here by the grace of God. All of this glory goes to God. I love God. I believe in God. And for most people who don't believe in, believe in God, they say there's no atheists in a foxhole. I like to say um there's definitely no um atheist when you dealing with the reality of death through alcohol and drugs when you in that when you going through that darkness man i don't care who you are it's cold it's a, you're alone you feel sick and your life is really starts to flash in front of you And then it gets serious really fast. You say all of the cute stuff goes out the window and then you have a real sense that it's something bigger than you in this universe that kind of was holding you together because you done dropped the ball years ago. Like you running on borrowed time by something bigger than you that loves you. That's hopefully keeping you alive long enough for you to figure it out. And that has to be a higher power because it's definitely, it's not us. It's not us, right? So, you know, I give God a lot of props because when I didn't have anything and I was a stubborn kid who thought I knew everything and I thought I knew everything about God and I thought I was like a God and I thought I was this king and I had all of these issues, but I knew God and I deep down, I love God and that helped me in the end because when I was at my wits end, I was able to throw a hell, mary, reach out and somehow something spiritual came back to me. God talked to me and helped me. He saved my butt, man. So for real, we have to pray for the many people out there that's going through it and just really try to get help before you hit this point. Um, and then, you know, it's never too late. So don't, but tomorrow's not promised. So, you know what I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, please, Let's. this is serious business. All right, alcohol in the human body. In 2009, alcohol-related liver disease was the... Primary cause of almost one in three liver transplants in the United States. That's crazy. That's crazy, man. One in three liver transplants was alcohol related. And I'm talking about I'm gonna put this in another perspective. If you guys ever went to a liver clinic or a spine center or go to a place where they where people deal with liver disease you will see a spectrum of people from young to old and the symptoms, you know, you have this big bloated belly and then you have to get your stomach tapped. So just like when we use the bathroom and we're able to dispel a lot of the um, toxins from our body, when your liver stops working, All of that builds up in your stomach. So every two to three weeks, you have to go to the hospital. They have to stick a large needle in your stomach and they pump out the fluids. It's called a tap, a liver, a stomach tap, right? Then you have to take something called lactolose, which is a syrup that drinks and helps you to use the bathroom. It helps you to do number two because it takes out the poison. Then on top of that, you have to go through a lot of other things while you're hopefully waiting for Uh, liver transplant and that's not guaranteed at any point you could die so this is people from like they said here from age 20 all the way up to 70 or 80 it doesn't discriminate and usually like they said one in three persons related to alcohol so we have to understand we talk about the sober is dope podcast these are why this is how we highlight the benefits of a sober life Sobriety takes you way out of the subject or the the matter of what we're talking about now. When you're sober, your liver regenerates, you're healthy. Now all you have to do is really maintain your diet and your mental health and your sleep patterns. But you're not worrying about dying prematurely because of liver disease, right? Or psychological disease or by accident. Because we know a lot of people die through car accidents or just doing really stupid things when they're drunk. All right, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm going to stop there. I just want to go back and do a deep dive. So if you want more information on this, you can check out the National Institute on Alcohol Abuse and Alcoholism. It's the um, the NIH. That's, that's what they call it. Um, turning discovery into health. So it's just a lot of really good stuff right now. Um We got the COVID-19 Is an emerging Rapidly evolving situation So ladies and gentlemen Be careful out there And know that you're not alone And just Just You know Let's just keep the conversation going. All right. So, sometime getting some raw statistics, hearing this helps. If you're someone that's on that's dealing with drugs, I'm going to do a deep dive for you guys. We do have episodes where we go through the statistics, these same statistics. Um, Earlier in the podcast So you could go back And it'll talk about the health benefits And um, how alcohol affects the body How certain drugs affect the body So the Sobers Dough Podcast Is for everyone Whether you're dealing with alcohol Which is a substance use um, disorder Or drugs you know, these substance abuse disorders are real. And then you have other disorders like process addictions and um, behavior addictions, um, smoking, gambling, um, shopping, sex addiction, addiction, porn addiction and um, eating disorders and all of these other subcategories and subclassifications of addiction. This podcast is about that, too, is all devoted to giving us the motivation And the encouragement that we're not alone And the real goal is to empower you To take charge and transform your life On your terms We have a few sayings at the Sober is Dough Podcast My favorite is Rescue yourself Okay Rescue yourself That's exactly That's the ultimate step That we all need to get to When we're in that darkness We have to The decision starts with us We have to say enough is enough, we want to change, I'm committed and I'm a fight. You have to fight for your life. And my next saying is, it's never too late to be amazing. Cause it's not. No matter how much you lost in your life, no matter where you are in your life, no matter how old you are, no matter how much time you lost, no matter if you didn't finish school, no matter if you can't get a job, if you just got out of jail, it's never too late to be amazing. I'm going to do another episode to explain how some people went from the ultimate forms of rock bottom to being superstars, millionaires, billionaires, philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and just marvelous people. So you could be the next person that has a miraculous story that could inspire millions of other people. So no matter where you are in your life, just don't give up. You're listening to the Sober is Dope podcast. My name is Pop Buchanan. I love you all and I'll catch you on the other side. We'll